Hello, welcome to The Crap and the Crazy. I am Tash Critter, the director of Little Wooden Toy Box. I have two kids with autism, one with ADHD and PDA. I have racked up about 700 hours over the last 10, 11 years with early intervention, with speechy sites, with teeth, the works. I forgot to add in there that I am a qualified teacher from kindy to year seven. So all of this combined has given me a ton of tools and strategies to use at home with my kids to make sure life is calm and happy, but also to understand and read uh, different behaviors, particularly behaviors that challenge and understand that all behaviors are communication and how to implement tools and strategies at home to get the best life for you and for your kids and to cope well together with your differences. I hope this helps. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, welcome to episode 27. Today, I would like to run through with you routines. So what these actually include when you pull them apart or what makes up routines, the different types of skills, and then to run through a simple activity like breakfast and pull apart those skills to actually see what's going on and then go through why kids respond really well to having routines and visual schedules, yeah? So to start with, what skills are involved in everyday routines? So we have our executive functioning, we've got time management, working memory, fine motor skills, gross motor skills, motor planning, understanding the context and problem solving. So all of these different skill sets come into a simple activity like getting dressed in the morning. So starting with executive functioning skills, these are the skills we need to organize ourselves and our environment to complete a task. Yeah, so for getting our breakfast ready in the morning, we know that we need to get a bowl and spoon before we get the breakfast out. We then need to add milk. So getting all these things ready um, to complete a task. The next one is time management, and this can include the order and sequencing as well. So managing our time well, um, so from getting up in the morning to getting out the door on time, making sure we're spending the right amount of time getting dressed, leaving time for breakfast, brushing our teeth, brushing our hair, packing our bag, grabbing lunch, uh, water bottles, whatever else you need for the day before walking out the door and remembering to take your bag with you, yes? So there's the time management side. There's the working memory. This is remembering all those steps required to complete a task. We also need our fine and gross motor skills. So this is where a lot of kids get so frustrated. They're fine with the executive functioning and the time management, but then they fall down on the fine motor skills. So having to tie our shoelaces, that bilateral coordination and crossing the midline for doing up zips and buttons. Um, pulling on clothes, which is your gross motor skills, getting on jumpers, um, layers of clothes as well. So the frustration there where we're relying so much on our gross and fine motor skills. We also have motor planning. So this is organizing our body to get dressed. Um, so often that, that really slow movement, the trouble getting pants on. So just, just organizing your body within space, which I've watched my kids struggle with. Understanding context is another one that we tend to not think about as well as, you know, hand in hand with problem solving. So as far as the weather goes, if it's raining outside, but you put 
clothes on your bed the night before and you weren't expecting it to rain, having to problem solve and change things up. Um, Say getting ready for breakfast in the morning and your favorite cereal is empty. So what are you going to do? You're going to have to make decisions. You're going to have to change your plans. And that may involve changing all the steps beforehand where you've got the bowl and the spoon and the milk ready. Sorry, no, the milk had run out. No, the cereal had run out. So we have got the milk ready. Gone to get the cereal. The cereal is gone. So now there's toast. So we're going to have to put away the bowl, put away the spoon, hopefully. Or we could just leave them on the bench. Um, and then get out a plate, a knife, get out the bread. Now your time management comes in here too because you've got to wait for the toast to cook. So you could go do something else while you're waiting for the toast to cook or you could stand there and wait for it while you've got something else ready. So do you see all these little problem solving things that come second nature mostly to us as adults, but these can be a big deal, particularly when you're dealing with ADHD and autism where or anxiety where change straight away gets an anxiety response. Can you see how many opportunities there are for meltdowns in the morning just from waking up to getting out the door with things changing, with things not going as expected, with struggling with fine motor skills, gross motor skills, struggling with communication? Um, You know, you can begin to understand why when you've got small children or kids with additional needs, these things are big deals. So much planning and effort and even with my kids as teenagers so much scaffolding goes into these simple morning routines. I might as well add in as well that we haven't even covered sensory with all of this so I just remember the amount of meltdowns over putting on shoes, putting on socks. Socks inside out is a very good thing because it means the seam and not touching your toes. That was a bit of a life changer. Um, I'm not going to go into sensory today because we will focus on the routines but sensory is another thing it's another spanner in the works when it comes to routines as you'll know with little ones and with kids with autism so i really want to get the point across today there's there's so much that we as adults take for granted and no one stops and inst- and explains this to you until you start doing all these hours in therapy when when there's, when there's just so much screaming, so much screaming and so much of our screaming, like the kids when they were little, um, was around routines. And I just, as a parent, you're not, you're not taught routines. Um, I hadn't even really heard about, it. I mean, you have a, you know, a standard concept of what a routine is, but no one actually teaches you how to do this at home with your kids. And I'd really only had someone ask me this. Um, We got into Nagala within three days because my boy would just not stop screaming. Um, And it would last for three hours at a time, 20 minutes break, back to the next three hours. And that, that was just morning to nighttime. And yeah, they would they would hear him on the phone in the background. I tried everything, nothing mattered, nothing made a difference. And we finally got in and they asked me, because um, it was only a day one, it wasn't an overnight stay. This is just a place that helps with babies and sleep. Yeah. Um, in the end, they basically said my kid didn't have an off switch and sent me on my way. But they sent me on my way with some strategies and around routines. And I remember the lady, I guess their nurses, asked me, what is your bedtime routine? And I just looked at it. Well, I, I don't know. And she's like, well, and baby, he must have only been six to nine months. So he was, he was little, under one. Um, he had his shoes on, he was dressed. And she's like, well, 
do you take his shoes off or do you put him to bed with shoes on? I'm like, oh no, take shoes off. So there were things that I did, but um, I didn't do them with intention and I didn't think about it and I didn't realize or see it as a routine and I didn't see it as something that I could repeat every day or every sleep time, depending on what we're talking about. So every time you do this activity, we could repeat the steps in exactly the same order and take out anxiety We could be very clear with expectations. Um, So I went home and we put a routine in place and it was like a 17-step ridiculous routine. But this is the, the level of scaffolding that my little ones needed when they were little. And this is what started to make a difference. Um, So you know, steps as far as when you're turning the light off. And I think we put music on and I think there was a fish tank in the room. So we had the night light know, the light in the fish tank. And all of these steps were a part of the routine. You couldn't dare miss a step. So I'll point out here, I'm not recommending 17 step routines just for getting to bed. That is just where I started with this whole journey and how specific I was at the very beginning, which is what we needed. And that's what my kid needed. I am very happy to say we do not have 17 step routines for everything or anything anymore. We still do things in the same order, not the same as way back then. There are no fish anymore. Um, But, you know, as the kids grow older, these routines look different. And I guess if you've never done this before, be intentional about it. Just go through and write down all the steps, see what works, see what doesn't. And when you start to get a routine that works, stick with it. Stick with it and do the same steps in the same in the same order. And ridiculous as that may sound, it does lower the anxiety, it sets the expectations, and it allows your kid to settle and use these routines as a safety blanket. Yeah? So they know what's coming, they feel safe and secure with how bedtime routine looks or how breakfast looks. My kid has had the same breakfast since he was nine months old. Yeah, it, it's it's been the same. Um, as he's gotten older, we have been able to add, you know, a few more other cereals into the mix. So he will pick, but it's still cereal. It's never toast. It's never bacon and eggs. It's never anything else. It's always cereal. And his main cereal from nine months old is always in the cupboard. Let you don't let that run low. Um, another thing you can do as a parent when you're managing these routines is just also being intentional and making sure things don't run out, making sure favorite things are washed. And yes, this is more for you to do, but as I'm always banging on about, it's often doing those preemptive things that will save the behaviors later. Now, I don't get this right by any means. I do try. Things still run out. Uh, Things still are not washed in time. Sports uniforms when uh, sports that day, but to try and keep track as much as you can, or at least to have it on your radar. Um, These are things that do help. So how do we do routines? So when my, um, you know, back that little baby story, when I had that list, that was a written list. And I think we had it by the light switch. So we knew what to do in what order. I probably didn't have it as a list until I had to tell the babysitter. Um, So yeah, that was a list for me to use. Now, for when my kids got a bit older, we used picture strips. So for my girl, the picture strips would be, so as far as getting dressed, we'll use that example. So socks, undies, I don't know, skirt, shirt, jumper, 
whatever she was putting on for the day. So I would make the decision. Decisions were just too hard for her until she was quite a bit older and even then we struggle. Um, but with the routine strip, so this strip was stuck along the TV cabinet, so it was in the same place. You got dressed in the same place every day, but her clothes had to be laid out in exactly the same order as the picture strip. This is how much we relied on routines and visual schedules when they were little. So if you messed up the order, so if I switched the socks and undies around from what the picture strip was, we just couldn't move forwards from that point. So I don't know, maybe someone else will relate to that as well. And maybe, or hopefully, these are just little things to look out for that could make the world of difference um, to you in the mornings. We would also have picture strips in the bathroom for washing hands, in the shower for washing hair, because my kids would mix up, and I'm not talking when they're little, older as well, they would mix up the shampoo and conditioner. So they'd get out of the shower with shampoo in their hair because they'd conditioned it first and then left in the shampoo. Um, so, so having picture strips that are explicit and show exactly what to do in what order, because if your kids struggle with working memory or if they're, you know, feather-brained off with the fairies as kids with ADHD often are, this just helps bring them back, take away that reliance on working memory when it is such a struggle where they can look at the picture strips and follow the order. Yeah, so that's ordering and sequencing as well, taken care of in a picture strip. Again, a safety blanket that they can rely on and it sets them up for a success as well. And you won't, or you may not, always need to have these um, routines set out in picture strips all around the house. So as my kids got older, we have removed all of them now. And at different stages, you know, as they're getting older, as they're getting more responsibility, learning new skills, you may find you need to go back to those picture strips, uh, particularly for a new job, um, like when you've given your kid a new responsibility, a new job to do. That may help scaffold that. Um, I think we use picture strips for packing away toys as well. That was a big one that my kids struggled with. Um, and that's just my kids, both of them get very overwhelmed when there's lots of clutter around for different reasons, I think. So when we, uh, when the house is clean, my boy copes a lot better. With my girl, if she's got clear instructions with what to tackle first, um, for say, you know, toys are spread out all over the floor. This is when they were younger. And there was just, she had no idea where to start. She had to stand there. It was a complete inability to take action, which when we put picture strips in and told her exactly what to pack away first in what order, she was able to do it completely fine. So it wasn't, it wasn't that she couldn't do it. So she had the skills and ability to complete the task, but just a complete roadblock in that executive functioning, so organizing her environment, that time management, that sequencing, that ordering what to do first. Does this make sense? I hope this really helps someone because I struggled so much with this because I just could not understand um, why things, why simple things were so hard. So as my kids have aged up, we no longer use the picture strips, but I use that verbal. So even when we had the picture strips, I would talk through that process, which I still do now. So it's not to the level of detail of get out your bowl, spoon, milk, uh, cereal, whatever else. So that's not, I don't need to do that anymore, but I still do run through the day. So anything that's going to change that day, I will run through verbally and I'll probably do this upwards of 10 times 
in the morning, I just repeat myself. So it's not even a conversation as such, but they hear me run through what's going on or read out what's on the planner. Um, so I do that very strategically and I have tested this. If I don't do that, because I figure they're not listening anyway, then they'll have a go at me for not telling them what's going on. So there's little things that's kind of probably a big thing, but learnt behaviors that we as parents can do to scaffold our kids and it doesn't always have to look like picture strips. The other thing we can use or another thing we can use is um, now and then or now and next schedules. So some kids will get overwhelmed with a picture strip with a number of pictures on it yeah so say you've got a 10 step sequence that will be overwhelming for some kids and it will be overwhelming or can be overwhelming for young kids as well so in that case we can use a now and next chart so this is just focusing on two things what is happening right now and what is going to happen next this is really good in the classroom and in therapy and at home as well uh, when we want our kids to transition or move from one activity to another um, I've talked about this in I don't know I remember saying it in one of the podcasts so we actually still use a microwave timer when my kids need to finish up on the iPad so I give them that transition time. We don't have now or next um, pictures. I never actually use them, but I do do it verbally. And set the timer, whoops, so they are very clear when that timer goes off that it's time to move on to the next activity. Another reason for doing these routines and visual schedules, particularly when they're older as well, it reduces, no, actually this is for any age, it reduces the nagging both you nagging them to do something and them nagging you to remember something. So that's where the sticky note and the family planner come in. It helps keep you sane. When you find systems that work in your house where everyone's on board, everyone knows, and you know if it wasn't written down, it's not going to happen. So there's that accountability. Then it helps keep you sane. It keeps your mental health in intact. Yeah. Um, and again, reducing that anxiety, clear expectations. And yeah, look, there's always going to be changes and it's managing those changes. But if you've got a system in place, it kind of helps scaffold that change. Yeah. And it also helps you teach your kids responsibility and accountability. And if you can if you can run your house this way, where you've got, you don't have to have the sticky note system in the family planner. I've just found through trial and error, that's what works for us. And if you have questions on that, feel free to ask them. I will help where I can. But if I can do this and I can model this, then my hope is that my kids will grow up and take on board um, their time management and their planning and their executive functioning as they get older. And yeah, learn to manage their time well. All right, I'm going to stop talking there. I think I've made my point. I hope I've made my point. Hope you enjoy your day. Talk soon. Bye.